Welcome to Classic Songs Revisited, where we look back at some of the greatest songs of yesteryear. In this installment, we'll hear an excerpt from David Bowie's Suffragette City, performed by Vincent Price. Hey, man! Oh, leave me alone, you know. Hey, man! Oh, Henry, get off the phone! I got to... Hey, man! I got to straighten my face. This mellow-thigh chick just put my spine out of place. Oh, don't lean on me, man, because you can't afford the ticket. I'm back from Suffragette City. Oh, don't lean on me, man, because you ain't got time to check it. You know my Suffragette City is out of sight. She's all right. Oh, wham-bam! Thank you, ma'am! This has been Classic Songs Revisited. See you next time. Oh, hit me! Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. This is Chris Abalo's Podcast Experiment, and I am Chris Abalo. Welcome to episode 22. I should know that by now. It's actually open in front of me, so I have a reference to which episode this is. And uh, for whatever reason, I still blanked on it when I started this little recording. So uh, anyway, welcome. 2014 marches on. Second show of January, second show of the new year. And uh, it's a good one. But uh, first, let's start out with a little bit of complaining because this this really pissed me off the other day. I was in uh, Whole Foods and uh, all this stuff always happens to me in public restrooms where I notice, I guess, the, the most annoying behaviors of people, or at least maybe people just act their worst in public bathrooms. But anyway, I'm in this men's room and a guy walks in with his phone I don't know where it was, if it's in his pocket, if he had like one of those holsters on his belt or something like that, but with music just playing. It sounded like the thing was at full volume too, like the external speaker was turned up all the way and yeah, just playing the whole time. Goes into his stall, I assume he sat down and the music's just playing the whole time. Yeah, do we really need to be our own personal DJs and let everyone hear it? That's, come on, that's just obnoxious. You don't need to walk around with your mobile device's volume turned all the way up so uh, you can listen to your music because uh, maybe someone else doesn't want to. And imagine the nightmare would have been if another guy walked into the men's room with music playing on his phone with uh, the volume turned all the way up. It's, I don't, that's just obnoxious. That's just a, such narcissistic behavior. And, uh, but it, totally okay. In that guy's mind, totally made sense. And uh, nothing wrong with it at all. No, it was just fine. Hey, I'm just listening to some music. Uh, yeah, I don't like people doing their own thing. Because <laughs> if it's not my thing, then you should stop. Because I don't like it. And that should be reason enough for anybody, right? And no, that's not an only in Los Angeles thing. I'm sure that happens all the time. Now that everybody has a mobile device in their pocket that stores an infinite amount of music in a cloud somewhere. Uh, but I do have an only in Los Angeles all ready to go. And uh, here it is. This is a very expedited uh, monologue at the front of the show. But alas, here is the only in Los Angeles segment for this episode. I went to a shopping plaza, as you do. And in this plaza was uh, this grocery store, which is in California. I'm not sure if it goes beyond California or surrounding states or whatever. But uh, this grocery chain called Ralph's and outside of this particular 
location was a guy said, you know how when you're in this, let's say you're in New York, uh, maybe they have them in London or some cities, maybe you go into a subway. That's probably the most common place or occasionally maybe outside of a business or on the street. Maybe you'll have musicians, you'll have guys playing the sax, maybe someone playing a trumpet, a guy playing a, an acoustic guitar or something like that. There's a lot of that on Hollywood Boulevard. And, uh, and same thing in New York when I've gone to subway stations, there's a dude with a sax and he's got his case open and people are leaving tips. Nothing wrong with that. I honestly don't have anything against it. That's not If you're playing music for tips and you're just out in public, that's different than blasting it out of your, uh, your cell phone for uh, everybody to hear because uh, maybe I don't like your music. Maybe I don't like saxophone either, but I'd rather hear a dude playing something on his own and uh, just improvising or even just playing tunes people know on the street than some douche playing uh, the music on his phone. But uh, anyway, so outside of this grocery store, wasn't a sax, wasn't a trumpet, wasn't a guitar. It was a dude with a tin whistle. Yeah, sitting with a tin whistle with a little, I think it was a can or something like that. Maybe it was a hat. <laughs> Maybe it was a wizard's hat. <laughs> and uh, yeah, looking for uh, tips, just playing these what sounded like kind of Celtic tunes. You know what? Never seen that before, so I'm filing that under only in Los Angeles because I have a feeling that Los Angeles is the only place you'll see that. Maybe Dublin or the Shire. Now, that, of course, is right in line with the goofy stuff I talk about on this show, the things I see during my day-to-day. And uh, I don't really talk about myself too much, and I don't talk about real life, at least my personal life at all. But I do want to take a moment to speak about my Uncle Raymond, who just passed away. In case you don't know, my father is the youngest of 10, although you probably heard about that if you uh, listened to the last episode of the show with all the uh, holiday shenanigans that were going on with uh, my father's side of the family. So my Uncle Raymond is actually t- was 10 years older than uh, my father. And uh, unfortunately, over the last year, has had some uh, declining health and uh, ultimately just passed away. And with it being such a, a family-oriented trip home for me, during Christmas and New Year's, all the family I, I had seen, and of course, spending time with my parents, who I hadn't seen in six months. And not a big deal, but still, for six months, that's... That's kind of a while, at least for me. So uh, it, it was really, it, it's one of those things that's really difficult about being out here because I, of course, can't be there for any services. And I'm not expected to be either just because of the distance. And, uh, you know, with such a big family, it would be impossible for everybody to make it to every single occasion. In a case like this, this is one of those occasions where everybody wanted to have a family get together that didn't, <laughs> that wasn't because of a funeral, and uh, there really aren't any uh, weddings coming up, unless one of the, the many, many second cousins happens to get married. So unfortunately, as it turns out, the family will be getting together for my uh, Uncle Raymond's funeral. And uh, I do want to read a little bit of the obituary that his family published in the Star Ledger. Um, now, Raymond actually is spelled not Raymond, as, as in everybody loves Raymond, it's actually R-A-M-O-N, uh, which in theory might be pronounced Ramon, but it was and is Raymond. So there you go. So I am going to read a little bit of his uh, obituary because I feel it, it is appropriate and because I would like to at least, even though he'll live on in the memories of the family and the stories everyone can tell about him and certainly through his children and grandchildren, 
it does seem appropriate to immortalize them in something that is related to uh, the family in as much as this is my show. It's got my name on it, and uh, I'll do what I want. <laughs> so I do want to immortalize him publicly in this format. So here it is. Uh, Raymond Abalo, 82, of Belleville, New Jersey, passed away on January 19th, 2014. Again, I'm abbreviating this. Before moving to Belleville in 1959, Mr. Abalo resided in Newark, New Jersey, which is where my father's family grew up, his parents and his siblings. He worked in the oil house for ITT in Nutley, New Jersey for 25 years and also worked as a manager of the valet parking concession for 40 years at the Manor in West Orange, New Jersey. was something of a legend in the place, actually. He was a mentor and role model for many of the young men working under his supervision. He was very proud of the cameo part he had in the famous movie The French Connection. So it's a little bit more... uh, a little more Hollywood lineage in the family. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a, an extra in the French Connection. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned that in any any other podcast, this one or, you know, that other one. He served as a corporal in the U.S. Marines during the Korean War. Raymond was a Golden Glove boxer. Check that out. That's pretty impressive, right? Uh, Raymond is survived by his loving wife of 54 years, Jean Abalo, and his loving and devoted children and grandchildren. So there's a little bit about... My Uncle Raymond, Raymond Abalo, may he rest in peace, lived a a really good 82 years, and uh, will definitely be missed. Now, as you may know, I uh, don't have any brothers, but my dear friend, Dan Hempel, is one of the closest things to it. Uh, Dan and I have been very close since we met in uh, the fall of 1999. Well, actually, we met previously, which is something we'll talk about in the uh, upcoming interview that you're going to hear in a few minutes, or chat. It's not really an interview. He and I were just talking while I was home visiting Jersey, and we've been close since uh, fall of 1999, I should say. Dan is absolutely one of my closest and dearest friends and one of those people who will will always be there. He's always going to be a part of my life, and it's something I take a great deal of comfort in. And uh, no, I'm not trying to be sappy. I'm just telling the truth. So uh, it seemed appropriate after all this time to sit and actually uh, have a one-on-one chat with Dan, which we've kind of done in in little bits and pieces over at theonlypodcast.com. And Dan has been in multiple episodes of The Only Podcast That Matters, which if you haven't listened to them, if you want to get a feel for how hysterical Dan is, then you should (laughs) check out The Only Podcast That Matters and uh, look for There are not one, not two, but three episodes known as DanCast. And overall has been in 17 episodes of The Only Podcast That Matters, which is 10%, seeing how we we just hit 170 episodes. That's 10% of the episodes of The Only Podcast That Matters. And uh, he, he's always a laugh riot when he's on the show. He was in the hysterical Xmas cast uh, that we just did a few weeks back. Well, actually, now it's about a month back. And uh, this conversation isn't as... Uh, let's say exuberant is that it's he and I just sitting chatting one-on-one about growing up together. And we were being a bit nostalgic with uh, looking at some old photos and listening to some old recordings of uh, band rehearsals from well over 10 years ago at this point. So it was really good to sit and just have a chat about uh, all this time we spent together. And uh, if you like Dan, as I said, then you should find this fairly interesting. So check out me sitting one-on-one with the one-of-a-kind Dan Hempel. Ah. Hey. You comfy? Yep. You look it. 
<laughs> you ready? Yeah. Okay. All right, at long last, I'm sitting here with the one and only Fat, a.k.a. Dan Hempel. You know him, you love him. Yep. <laughs> this is Fat. <laughs> Man of few words. That's it. That's him. We've been spending a lot of time this afternoon talking about, well, getting old, of course, <laughs> and then uh, thinking back a lot just how much things have changed. We're looking at a bunch of old pictures, listening to some old band rehearsals and things like that, and marveling at 14-plus years of being friends. It's it's insane. It is crazy. It is crazy. Just think how, how long we've, I don't know, yeah. we've been close. And it just flew by. It did. It doesn't. Quick. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's been even 10 years, but it's been 14. Yeah. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. Um, I don't know if you have, and I don't mean this in like a narcissistic way. I don't know if you have any, any first impression or any memory of me at all. I don't have a specific one of you, but do you remember anything about me circa 1999 or even before as far as kind of when we started hanging out or when we first met? I don't remember exactly being introduced to you, but I do remember roughly some stuff. Do you remember anything about me? Um, I think we our relationship really grew in Latin class when we started talking about music because you sat in right in front of me. And yeah. I sat right behind you. Yeah. That's where I remember the majority of things. But I don't think we were ever like introduced. I think I think we were introduced in Latin class when we started talking about music. I think that's... See, I have this vague recollection of sometimes sophomore year. I don't know who would have introduced us, but I knew who you like. I knew you were Dan. You knew I was Chris. And then fast forward to September of 1999, and we're sitting in front and in back right. of each other in uh, Latin class. So we we knew each other going into class. I just don't remember how. Me neither. I'm pretty sure though someone introduced us around sophomore year, maybe junior year, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's Dan. Dan sitting behind me. Cool." I think we, in sophomore year, didn't we sit at the same lunch table? Maybe. See, we're getting old. We can't even remember all this stuff. Because I remember <laughs> sitting at, you know, the lunch table with, you know, Ricardo, Binu, Matt, and Anderson in like freshman or sophomore year. Right. And I think maybe you occasionally popped in that in that table. I don't know. Probably. That would have been, see, those are the guys I would have been sitting with yeah. in high school around that time. Because senior year, since I, I went into senior year, with a car, I was almost never there for lunch. Me neither. I would go out. Yeah, and many times you and I would go out and get lunch together. Because I remember senior year, the people we sat lunch with, um, they were like, oh, well, we well, we never see you at lunch anymore. We never see you at all anymore. It's because <laughs> we're always cutting class. Yeah, we're out. We, we, were, we were pretty bad in that respect. But I had a, had a memory of... Um, just us sitting in Latin class, and I think it was like just a very foggy, kind of a snowy day. Mm-hmm. And then, the, what's his name? Shabaton was just yapping and yapping. Yeah, our teacher. And then you just turned around and you're just like, oh, you want to get out of here? I was like, yeah, let's just go. <laughs> so we just left. We just left. <laughs> we just left. Didn't and, ask to be excused. And it was so funny because I guess all the sophomores were, were a little shocked at that too because, you know, they weren't seniors yet. They didn't know the privileges we kind of had at that well they also didn't realize that we didn't care at that point right. i mean i knew going into senior year i'd pretty much made my mind up 
that I was going to be going to Ocean County College, OCC, the local community I think everybody college. Everybody was. Yeah, or they were going to Stockton. <laughs> oh yeah, it. that's where our graduating class went. Maybe five. I think there were like three hundred people in our graduating class. Right. Maybe five percent of them went to out of state, <laughs> but I think everybody else. Went to Stockton or OCC, which is fine if you don't know what you want to do, which I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I just, at that point, was planning on going to college because that's what you did. That was kind of what was expected of you. But I knew that, I mean, community college, you can get into with pretty much no qualifiers. I didn't think you'd be a dropout, probably high school dropout and get into community college. But uh, I knew it would be pretty impossible for me to, A, not graduate, and B, somehow blow my chance at going to OCC. So senior year, I didn't really, I didn't care. And I didn't want to take the um, AP, advanced placement classes. So I was just in classes with everybody else. And then I had to take some kind of language because I didn't want to take the AP Spanish. That's how I ended up in Latin too. Because I, t- I was that weird. It took two, I'm sure I went over this in the only podcast that matters. But in case you're somehow fresh to this story, you listeners out there. Uh, my freshman year, I took Spanish 2 and Latin 1. Just because I need to take another class, and I thought, like, I'll take Latin. Don't know why, uh, but it, it ended up working out three years later when I was in uh, when I was a senior, and I was uh, sat in front of you, and uh, just in front and to the left of Andrew. So it ended up working out kind of well. The only memory I have of you, though, is pretty much um, you kind of having a I don't know you're you're, you're kind of bangs combed forward. Like not not in like an emo way or like one of those uh one of those sad kids or, or something like that, like sad high school kids. You were just quiet and then I you just had the kind of black Nirvana shirt with the smiley face with the tongue out and the X's with the eyes. That's kind of all I remember from you prior to senior year. And I was just happy that there was another senior in, in Latin class too. And at least somebody who I knew, someone I knew was cool besides. I don't know, we we started hanging out pretty fast though. Yeah, we did. It was, yeah, it didn't take long. It may have very well have just been. Well, if it was snowing, we must have been, unless it started snowing in like November, but we were definitely hanging out by then because my birthday was October, and I remember we went out for my birthday. Went to Olive Garden because that was fancy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have any money because I spent it on like two MXPX CDs or You something. did. Yeah, we went to the wall. And, and then the they were like, the waitress was like, you want some bread or anything? Like, <laughs> you got to eat something. <laughs> I remember that because it was Darian and Pace, right? Who went with us? Because you bought. Oh, I remember. I think you bought. Was it at the show? At the, the live, show. the live yeah. MXPX CD, and it was like nineteen bucks. And I think that was right. all the money you had on you. Yeah. And I remember I was so happy too because I got uh, Bruce Dickinson's Accident of Birth CD, which I played to death in the car. <laughs> I put it on a cassette because I, my first car uh, had a cassette player in it. And that drove you nuts. We were still using cassette, cassette folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> it was, was still popular, too, cassette tapes. Yeah, my car was a 98, and a 99 still had cassette. And that was when you started making me tapes, because yeah. we were talking about, you, you had said, like, if I listen to punk rock or pop punk or anything like that, and I was just like, no, because all I knew from punk rock at the time was either Billy Idol or a bunch of, which wasn't even punk rock, at least his music wasn't. I remember because you kept referencing, hey, I got a friend at, I work with who's like into the Huntingtons. And I yeah. remember I was shocked. I was like, wait, he he's heard of the Huntingtons? And, you know, at that point, nobody's really heard of like Nobody those had. kind of bands. Nobody. But you're like, oh, yeah, I have a friend. His name is Christian who who uh, who listens to those bands. I was like, really? Yeah. 
that's how we kind of really got into that was yeah we were talking about because all the information i had about the ramones was kind of through him and uh he had told me about this band and that band and bands who i'd heard of in name only never seen t-shirt anything bands like screeching weasel and the queers and all these other what i guess he'd still regard as being pop punk bands not just punk bands i think he put them in the pop punk kind of under that umbrella and uh, he had said, like, oh, I used to play, because he, he played guitar as well, and that's kind of where he and I connected at first. Uh, and he was telling me about how he could play the first four Ramones albums and all that straight through. I think maybe I mentioned that to you, like, hey, I have this friend who says he can play uh, all the Ramones albums. And you were just like, I love the Ramones. And then we kind of started hanging out and forged a a bond in our, our mutual love of music in general, even though we didn't listen to a lot of the same stuff. If anything, you turned me on. To stuff like that, because the first tape you made me was uh, the Huntington's. Is the Good and the Bad and the Ugly live right. was on side one, and uh, side two was like Screeching Weasel, MXPX. Just I think some random, yeah, Slick Shoes maybe, yeah. Goaty Hook, a lot of bands, like a lot of random bands. Like you just put together those in the mixtape days, which was fun because at that time you could just put a. Yeah, there was no iPod shuffle at that time. You couldn't really shuffle anything at that time. (laughs) Well, there were no mix CDs either. This is even before. You may have been able to buy a a CD burner for your computer, but they were probably like well over $100, which was a fortune. when I mean, it it was in 99 when we were 17, 18. But yeah, my 18th birthday was when we, I think around the time we really started to hang out. And that group of friends later at at the end of the month when our friend uh, Darian has his birthday, we all went to Friday's, which was next door to that same Olive Garden. Right. And uh, it was like eight or 10 of us. And that whole group, we pretty much hung out all through senior year. And, uh, but our, our ritual was on most days we just leave because Latin class was second period. So it was eight forty five in the morning, maybe. Yeah. I think first period was like seven fifty, and ended at like 35. So yeah, like eight, yeah, we went to Manhattan Bagel. Yeah, we we cut class. Yeah. We <laughs> just leave. We wouldn't even announce. <laughs> we just kind of get up and go, and uh, we go to Manhattan Bagel. We grab a snack and go to the uh, mall. Yeah, eventually we we kill time because mall didn't open until ten. Go to the warehouse. We go. To, yeah, we go to Warehouse Music, which was across the street from the mall in in Tom's River, same place where uh, the eventual community college. And then we went be to. back home in time for or before our parents got home. Yeah. And unplug the phone. So you want to get that message that your <laughs> yeah your your child was absent for right. uh, at least two classes. I think it was if you missed more than two. Right. You got a phone call home, an automated thing. It was a pre-recorded thing from uh, the, one of the like three assistant principals. And then like, we'd hang out. I remember that senior year. I had a home ec class with Ricardo. I I showed up twice to that home ec class and never went again. <laughs> And, and he, he was disappointed, too, because he was just like, dude, we finally got a class together, and you're never there. <laughs> he was like, this is great. I'm going to go through this class with Dan. Yeah, he's we're like, gonna oh, yeah, we're going to gonna cook together. Which in and of itself is weird to be excited about when you're 18. Right, I know. <laughs> Me and my friend are going to cook together. Yeah, but that was like, that was after lunch. And I was like, I wasn't going to stick around after lunch. I wasn't going to stick around before lunch. <laughs> Well, yeah, lunch for us as seniors, I think was like it was it was like sixth fifth, period, yeah, fifth or sixth period, yeah. And at that point, I what were classes like forty, forty five minutes? Yeah, two more classes really at that. Yeah, yeah, so uh, lunch was at like noonish. At that point, you've been up since I don't know six thirty, maybe. Yes, five <laughs> or six. 
Yeah, and then you'd finally eat lunch, and then you just wouldn't be hungry after that, so why bother? Or a lot of times, because it was lunch was so late for us, you and I would go to lunch, and then we wouldn't come back. Like, we'd do the opposite. We'd go to, uh, we'd be in school all day, and then we'd get out during lunch, like six period, which was, I don't know, 1230, between 1230 and one o'clock. And uh, then we we wouldn't go for like I think seventh and eighth period. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we'd be gone. We'd go to um, if we went to lunch, we'd go to the there was a Wendy's not too far. Wendy's and McDonald's were next to each other, not too far from the high school. And then we took Route Nine further up and go to the Howell Record Store. But Howell thinking Music, thinking back it? at it, before I got a full time job, like going to school wasn't really that bad. The hours weren't bad. Oh, I mean, definitely I mean, not. You started your day, but your day ended <laughs> what at like two forty-five, and yeah. you had the rest of the afternoon. Yep, to do whatever you want. I'd be home by three. Yeah, but like at that time, you thought three o'clock was oh man, it's uh, my day's ruined because of school. <laughs> three o'clock. I just, what am I gonna do? <laughs> no, you're right. Like, well, now because we perspective, having worked jobs and having worked forty hours a week, going to school from seven forty-five to two fifteen isn't that bad. No, not at all. I wish I could work that few hours. Those hours. Day. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fine. Yeah. That'd be a really good arrangement. Like, hey, I'm home by three and I have the rest of my day. But you know what? If 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 I knew you know, knew that, I don't think it would have cut school at all. <laughs> uh well by comparison, yeah. But if if there was a time to do it, that's when we did it, which right. was our senior year. But which, yeah, that's true. But I'm glad I didn't know what I knew. Because otherwise, I wouldn't have had as much fun, you know. Oh, definitely. Oh, I, I had such a blast, and I was working too. I was probably at work more hours a week than I was in in high school. <laughs> but I think out of like out of the the friends that we were close with at the time, I think me and you were the only ones that really cut class, you know. Because Ricardo never cut class. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Darian never cut class. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just like me and you mostly were the ones that weren't there every day. Yeah, pretty much. You know? I mean, we'd come to school in the morning and by second period, like, let's get the, let's, let's get, get out, out of here. I can't. Let's go. <laughs> let's go CD shopping. That was our that was definitely our ritual on Tuesdays, even though we didn't follow necessarily any um, any mainstream bands, right. really, especially circa 99. Who the hell was there really like corn and Limp Bizkit, Deftones? Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of stuff we we would have been listening to. But that was that was. New release day, street date day. So we yeah. go on Tuesday and go peruse the same aisles looking for stuff. But that was also because it was massive. I mean, we're, that warehouse music store, which was you know across the street from the mall, was huge and had a ton of stuff. Oh, I mean, did. this is this is right around the time of like the the Napster explosion when people were uh, kind of looking at it as, wait a minute, does this, this music industry ship have holes in it? Like, is this going to start sinking? And uh, that, at the time, for me, I mean, I, I had started using because that was also the first year I had internet, was senior year of high school. I, I was using it to find new bands, to listen to new stuff, because it was just normal for me to go out and buy CDs. Right. So I would find all these German metal bands. <laughs> that you never <laughs> knew about before. Yeah, that, like you wouldn't hear that stuff on the radio, so that's where I got really into it. So I started buying more and more CDs, and that was when, I remember you coming over to my house the first time, and this is still all senior year of high school, by the way. And uh, I had maybe 200 CDs. And you're like, oh, man, that's too many CDs. This is too many. <laughs> but now look at our collection. 200 yeah. was nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> I'd probably had 200 more by the time we graduated. 
the nine months I'd accumulated a ton more CDs. And you followed suit. You <laughs> Once we knew how to get our hands on stuff and once we discovered more and more music. Yeah, it just kept adding up. Yeah. And we would go shopping all the time. And that, I think it was pretty much that summer was the first time we also took a ride up to uh, Vintage Vinyl. Yeah. In Fords, New Jersey. The days of no responsibility, no bills. Oh, so good. I mean, look, I was making payments on my car and I was paying car insurance, but that was it. This is pre-cell phone. Right. Um, we didn't have pagers. I Basically, mean, there were distractions. Yeah, exactly. Basically, if, if I called your home phone number, you weren't home, then you weren't home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. If I showed up at your house and you weren't there, then you weren't there. If you were working... Then well then I'd go I I stopped in work a few times you were working at McDonald's yeah. senior year that's you were when miserable. stopping at people's houses wasn't weird because I mean there was no other way to get in touch like if you really wanted to get in touch with a person if you couldn't uh, if they weren't home or they weren't answering the home phone you just stop by their house and I figure I'd stop by because you weren't answering your phone yeah that's it there were and two then, ways oh I was sleeping oh well you want to go out yeah sure let's go out <laughs> yeah I that's mean, it that. That's awesome, you know? I know. It's and, and now, I mean, it's cool that we're able to get in touch like we arranged getting together today through text. We right. didn't actually speak on the phone. Right. But I don't know. There's there's a part of me that's uh, maybe it's just nostalgia. But if I had to go to your house to see if you were home or see if you wanted to go out, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was normal. If text messaging went away, I think I'd be okay with it. Right. I mean, when I was home, granted, it, it wouldn't work as well being 3,000 miles away. Right. <laughs> Those were the days you were 17, 18, you had a... You had a car, and when you were bored, you would just stop at people's houses, mm-hmm. your friend's house. Hey, what's up? So you want to hang doing? out? You know that I think, and and this is going to turn me in probably a grumpy old man. There's going to be definitely since we're on in back in my day mode right now. Um, I think that was a better time anyway because since you had to go to someone's house or you had to call their house, your parents had to meet your friends. There's yeah, no getting around that's it. Whereas true. now I don't think that exists. No, not at all. Because now th- with text messaging and every kid, if they can fog a mirror, they get an iPhone or they're online chatting with people through who knows what. But uh, now uh, parents have no idea who their kids are in touch with. And at least when we were growing up, we have that. We might be on the tail end of that, having that perspective of, well, we had to show up like our, our parents knew us by name and fa- each other's parents, I should say, by name and face. Maybe not so much voice on the phone, but if I showed up, your parents would know, at your place. Your parents would know that I was Chris and that we were right. going to go out. I drove the yep. green car and uh, all that. And yep. same thing if you so if you drop by somebody's house, it also wasn't weird because you'd already met their parents and they had a they had a feel for you. Yep. yep. So that's also why it's it wasn't weird then. And it's probably weird now. Yeah. So if you show up, it's just like who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> like why didn't you text me? Well, you know. <laughs> The parents don't know who it is. Yeah. Parents think it's weird. So, yeah, there is that kind of weird uh, disconnect where at least we kind of had to have that forced interaction, which was fine. I mean, I understand right. meeting people's meeting people's parents. But yeah. uh, now it's it's it seems like everything's simpler, but it's just a lot more complicated, in my opinion. In many ways. Yeah. It's not just a matter of getting the car, go to someone's house. I mean, it's also easier to get in the car and drive to someone's house when. Gas was ninety nine cents a gallon. Oh, that's true. <laughs> when like three dollars, what could you have tank? Yeah. Oh, I remember that too. When I in junior year, before you and I hung out, I used to take my parents because I worked at night as well. My parents a uh, minivan, and my deal with them was I'd I'd give uh, them ten dollars a week for gas, 
And that would, I mean, they had a van. That gave them easily more than half a tank. Right. I think maybe like a, what a minivan is, probably a 16-gallon That was tank. a lot of money. $10. Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> but then I thought, well, if I give him $10, I'm still making $200 for the week or something. So it's not bad. Right. And still cheaper than a car payment, as I found out. Fast forward a year later, I'm paying $300 a month for a car. <laughs> so it was, it was much easier just paying the 10 bucks. But at least in that respect. See, it was also more fun to... um get in adventures and kind of go off the grid because since there wasn't a cell phone, if we were out for the day, we were out and we came home whenever, unless we called home from a payphone or something, there was no way to kind of check in with our parents, which we didn't really have to do anyway. No. Our parents weren't really strict in that regard. And since you and I would drive an hour away to go right. on the hunt for CDs. Sometimes you wouldn't even tell your parents. Of course. Like the Huntington show in Philly when I was 17 and yeah. took my dad's car, drove to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> that was unheard of. And now... They could call you or have a GPS trace on the phone or something like that. Yeah, and be like, where were you? Yeah, locate my phone. I think it's an app for that. I'm pretty sure there is for like the iPhone. I mean, there's probably one for every phone that people have like for their kids to track where their kids are. Yeah. But um, yeah, that at least we could go out for the day and there were no distractions. There was no, and like I said, since our parents, our parents knew who their kids were going to be hanging out with, it wasn't a big deal if we were out for the day. And we also weren't bad kids. Like we didn't get yeah. in a... We didn't go, I mean, probably lame kids by comparison, but uh, we didn't go out drinking. We didn't go try and get some college kid to buy us booze or something like that and go sit around. We were going out looking for CDs, go to Applebee's or something, <laughs> go get a booth at a restaurant after 10, get some cheap appetizers and just yak, yak about music. Or a lot of times we'd be going to, um, at that point, you had a, a more working guitar than I did. So half the time when we would leave class for the day we'd go to your house in the afternoons both your parents were at work and uh we'd play guitar we'd be passing it back and forth because yep. we only had the one between this <laughs> pv kind of strat ripoff and uh, uh, pv predator that was it the yeah. pv predator and uh, we'd just play songs and i kind of had i had a decent ear so i would figure out a few uh ramon songs or something and i kind of show you how to play them and then we fast forward to that summer before so we had a good three months in between when high school ended and when I left, when I went into the Marine Corps and headed off to boot camp. But uh, something's telling me it was August. And I went and got my first, my still my only Fender Strat. And then you would come over and you and I would just be playing all the time. Yeah. And we would get together. And then I got my acoustic too. I got my, my Taylor a week after I got my Strat. <laughs> I spent a lot of money on gear that summer. <laughs> But I was working and I was having fun and I was 18 and didn't have a lot of responsibility. I wasn't paying $100 a month for a cell phone. Right. So it was easier to go buy a $600 guitar when it's, I'm putting gas in my car, pay for my car, car insurance, that's it. Living at home, pre, no credit cards and yeah. uh, none of that stuff. No, no actual bills. No, you didn't have to worry about anything. Right. If I could put gas in my car, I could pay for my car, I could pay my insurance, that's it. It's yeah. all I had to worry about. So I could buy CDs and guitars and you and I could go out to eat. All, all the time. Stuff. All the time. That was what we did. That was just our thing. And it's it's one of those things that has continued on for ages where you and I just go CD shopping. We haven't been able to do it this time, unfortunately. No. But uh, during this trip. But just going out CD shopping has been our thing for so, so long. And uh, it's it's kind of a... That and going to the movies, actually. Even when I moved back in 2008, you and I would go to the movies pretty regularly. Yeah. I mean, at least like once a month, you and I would go catch something, just the two of us. Yeah. And then complain about how we hated the new Transformers movie. And, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. So we go see Harry Potter. Went and saw the last couple of Harry Potter movies together. But you know what's funny? Like, when we saw those movies, um, this 
especially the second Transformers movies, we're just sitting there, and we're kind of just not paying attention to the movie. We're kind of just like looking at you. Looking at you like, dude, how long is this going to go on? (laughs) You want to get out of here? (laughs) Yeah, I think we should leave. Because even on the first Transformer movies, when I went to, uh, I think I saw it with Pace and James. Yeah, I was in California when the first one came out. Me and Pace are just like, and I, I don't know what James felt. He's probably <laughs> thinking about something else. Probably, yeah, he probably was paying attention either. But <laughs> those are bad movies, and it's just so funny because, like, when you go to the movies with your friends and you expect you expect to have different tastes and different things, but somehow we all agreed that this movie sucked and we went again. Yeah, here. most of the time, yeah, we really <laughs> did, and that's why I think it's why you and I have so much fun going to the movies. I mean, even though we were kind of. I think we were both hesitant about the second Transformers movie right? because the first one we weren't crazy about, but we were still smart enough to say, all right, well, if if we're going to see it, we might as well see it in the movies. Right. And maybe it's a step up. I think at the time I looked at it as, well, the first X-Men movie was okay, and the second one was awesome. I said, maybe it'll be the same thing where, like, in the first Transformers movie, you met the characters. In the second one, you kind of get to see them in action. And it just wasn't that at all. Yeah, but when we we went to see Lord of the Rings the first time, well, back in two thousand. Yes, the Fellowship of the Ring we saw together too yeah. in the movies. Th- that was awesome. That was in so the theater. Much fun. <laughs> yeah, and that was a big because that was a really big. This is before there were big movies, where now a big movie comes out every other week. Right, every other weekend there's a new, uh, big high end special effects extravaganza that comes out. But in two thousand one, it was Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, and that was kind of it. Right. Exactly. At that point, the, yeah, the Batman movies were still kind of blacklisted. Oh, yeah, because so they were that. Yeah. yeah, this is before comic book movies were cool again. Actually, well, the figure 2002, I think, was Spider-Man. And that's Spider-Man, yeah. Kind of the beginning, and then the following year was X-Men 2. And that's when things kind of started to take off again. But that was kind of it. So it was even a big deal to go see something like Order of the Rings in 2001. Right. I mean, it still is amazing. Those movies are incredible. But I remember when... I guess Pace, me and Pace saw a lot of movies too, and we walked out in a lot of movies as well. <laughs> See that I understand that because I don't believe in. I'd rather part with the money than the time. That's just kind of always the yeah. way I am. Yep. Where it's if I'm not enjoying it, it's like ugh, let's get out of here. And I've only walked out of not well, two movies off the top of my head. There must be more. Avatar. But, uh, Avatar was one of them, and I got so much grief for that. <laughs> oh. And you still haven't seen Avatar, right? I, I, I just don't. I don't. I just don't feel the need to see it. Don't waste I mean, your time. I only saw it because of hype. I was like, "All right, fine, I'll go see it." Right? Because everybody wouldn't shut up about it, so I went and saw it. And I got an hour into it, and I thought, "I can't give up another two hours of my life to this movie." <laughs> I do not care about anything that's going on. <laughs> and you were smarter than me, in as much as you agreed, like, "Yeah, that movie looks stupid. Why'd you see it?" <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days. If I had a time machine, man, i go back. I would just like to observe. I must be funny looking at us. I think it'd be, I don't think it'd be that much different. Right. But looking at us, let's say we're like, if, I, if we could. But I want to relive some of those moments, you know. Just oh, I do Relive too. like some of the rehearsals, you know, us yeah. going out to the warehouse. That's. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a good time. It's so, it's so funny, like climbing into the, the, the time machine in our minds to sound like a, a stoner. But uh, to go through the, this big shoebox I have of old pictures of us from like 2001 and two, and uh, throwing on a two CDs of rehearsals because I saw this as I'm sitting here, I turned around. It didn't with this giant uh, bookcase full of CDs that's in my uh, in 
my bedroom in in my parents' house where we're recording right now, and then looking and seeing the on the spine of one of these discs I'd printed an insert, and I was like, oh man, that's a stack of like rehearsal CDs because when we booked into the big room, that was a big deal because all the other rehearsal rooms had um, tape recorders in them, and there's still <laughs> loads and loads of tapes that I'd have to go through. Yeah, with uh, songs that never came to be and shouldn't be classics that never were like clock on the wall <laughs> and all these other songs clock on the wall clock on the wall one two three four and uh just seeing this disc and i thought oh man i gotta pop this in i haven't heard this in a good couple of years and i don't know how long it's been since you've heard it. you probably have a copy somewhere but it smells like cheese oh it smells like cheese. oh yeah there were tapes <laughs> dan and i used to get together in the basement in my parents house when we both lived in uh lakewood new jersey and uh I lived in a, in a ranch house. My family had a ranch house. So the basement was the size of the house. So all my guitars and stuff were downstairs. And I would set up a little tape recorder and uh, would plug a guitar into my amp. And, and Dan would just start jamming out these kind of chord progressions. Because Dan was, was really, really, I don't know about now because I haven't heard you play in a while. But Dan was a really, really good rhythm guitar player and play all these kind of pop punk power chord progressions. And uh, they just sounded so good. And... Uh, <laughs> Actually, you know what? I remember the what was kind of the uh, the impetus for even getting together and you and I playing in a band in the first place. Do you know what that was? I don't know if we talked about I this have or no not. idea. It was Christmas of '99. Was it? It was our first Christmas together, and I remember I got you "Lifestyles the Ramones" on VHS. I still I have it. I gave it. To, yeah, I gave it. To, I gave that to you at school, and um, you gave me the first. Uh, self-titled Riverdale CD. Yeah, I remember that. Which I didn't even own a Screeching Weasel CD at that point because it was Dan Vappin and Ben Weasel from Screeching Weasel. Um, I don't remember who played drums for the band, but I don't. Yeah. He may have been one of the thousands of members of Screeching Weasel right. at that point. But uh, you got it for me, and I listened to it. And for some reason, I don't know. Maybe it was just the. I'd already been listening to the Ramones and, and Huntington's and all that stuff because you'd got me into that because it was it was always playing in your car and thanks to you making me tapes and thanks to Warehouse Music being able to specially order CDs, <laughs> <laughs> we'd uh, we'd acquired just a bunch of stuff. We just bought so much stuff and, and traded tapes with each other, even like stuff like the Misfits and all that and, and the Buzzcocks. Like we kind of got a hold of some of that stuff courtesy of our friend Christian who had it all on CD and made tapes for us, or at least let us borrow tapes, and then we would make a, right, a copy of the tape. He was 10 years older than us. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was 10 years old. He was 28. So yeah. so uh, it was. He, he already had accumulated this stuff. He'd grown up with it, essentially. Anyway, I, I don't know. I think it just it appealed to me because it was like um, a power trio, but it wasn't as bombastic as something like Rush right. or Jimi Hendrix, which, you know, I mean, stuff I w- was listening to at the time, like cl- what was classified as classic rock. Right. And uh, there's just something about the bass, guitar, drums, vocals that just, I thought, wow, this would be really fun to do. Because I was up to my ears, uh, literally and figuratively, in uh, Iron Maiden and hair metal and a lot of rock, which was still somewhat modern because Aerosmith was still going strong up to at least the mid-90s. And then uh, I was really in, uh, everyone knows, made no bones about the fact that I was way into the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen. And uh, so I was listening to a lot of that stuff, and that was the stuff I was kind of playing on guitar along with ACDC and bands like that. I just really got into the whole how stripped down it was and kind of how accessible it was since it was also all power chords because at the point I was kind of getting frustrated around the time I I met you around senior year of high school. I've been playing guitar for two years, and I was trying to play – even though I could play things like ACDC and all that, I wanted to play stuff. I want to play Randy Rhodes and like all the kind of great heavy metal guitar players especially – 
and I just couldn't get that stuff under my fingers. And there was and and then listening to things beyond that, like um, going deeper to stuff like Iron Maiden, and then I got really into um, let's say the the white blues guitars. Let's say junior year, like Eric Clapton, and I'd gone back and started listening to stuff like that. And I just I didn't have any sense of feel for playing, and I didn't have the technical ability to play stuff like some of the really uh, technical metal, like Dream Theater. I was listening to at the time as well, and uh, I just couldn't. I just couldn't get any of it under my fingers, and I was getting really frustrated with guitar playing, and I was almost ready to quit. So then along came you with your your pop punk and uh, <laughs> your loud music and your power chords. Yeah, three chords, simple songs. Yeah. Catchy. And I'm learning how to play these uh, Ramon songs. I actually learned how to play the Ramon songs from the uh, Huntington's CD, Rocket to Ramonia, <laughs> yeah. which was all covers, because you'd gotten a hold of that, and you'd put a copy on cassette for me. And I was using that because it, not that the Ramones albums, particularly the first four, had huge production values, but I was just able to hear it more clearly. It, it sounded even more stripped down when the Huntingtons did it. So I was able to learn these Ramon songs. Then something I hear something like the Riverdales, and I think, oh, man, this is easy. I could just, the songs are two, two and a half minutes, and I can play this. I thought, this would be fun. I, I think I, thought, I was thinking that would be something to do on the side, almost like a side band. And uh, you and I were kind of getting together anyway for a while and just jamming. But uh, not much happened, although we did make one uh, failed attempt at playing it, having a performance together at the end of senior year. Yeah. I know you remember this. Yeah. <laughs> we even talked about this we before. We even had the uh, Justin Bosco come over my we house. We did, remember? yeah. We yeah. had decided on the day, this was May, maybe June, right at the tail end of senior year. We're going to be graduating soon. And there was an art show at school in the library and the library the way it was situated in Lakewood High School was kind of in the middle of the front of the building so you're kind of walking past it all day it was a big library it was a really nice it was and it was two floors or was it three it was was definitely two yeah and um we'd gotten to second period as we always did sitting in Latin class and we're looking at the art show and probably I suggested it being the troublemaker said you want to go to the art show let's get out of here so we got up and left and we didn't leave the building went to the art show and they had bands playing and they had people with um people that made like art like painted or, or had drawn things or whatever students and were displaying things but they also had musicians playing all day you know high school kids who were playing in bands there's actually one band who was um they were playing Billy Joel songs. They did all Billy Joel songs, but almost yeah, it was kind like of girl punkish. Band. Yeah, it was an all girl band, which is even more kind of yeah. random. That not only were they just playing Billy Joel, but they were all girls and they were playing really well in like a a punkish kind of styley. And um, it just crossed our mind like maybe we should do something. Maybe we should play at this art show. So I at that point it was you and I had decided. Uh, that I was the better guitar player, you were the better singer. So we're going to do a couple of Ramon songs. So we need to find a drummer and a bass player that day. So yeah, you you knew Justin Bosco, who played bass and was really, really good, even at, what was he, a year younger than us, I think? Yeah, he was, so he's fun. He was phenomenal. 16, 17, he was yeah. so good. Right. Far better than both of us put together on any instrument. Right. And uh, that was really tough. That was something I always had trouble finding, was uh, bass players especially, guys who were really good, not guys who could just thump the the root note. And uh, he was really good. And then we got Brian Nielsen to play drums. Because, yeah, we, we, we were talking to them at the art show. And then I guess I asked Justin Bosco, hey, want to come over to my house? And then we'll teach you some of the stuff that we're going to do at the art show. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll come by. So we ended up, you know, just cutting class and just going back 
to my house mm-hmm. for like one, like an hour. These are the songs. It's a few chords, and that's it. We were doing. I'm trying to remember. I know we were doing Blitz. We were going to open with right. Blitzkrieg Bop, Teenage Lobotomy, and then I think Susie's a Headbanger. I think we Probably. were going to do three. Yeah. Because it was a, I don't know how long, I think maybe it was 15 minutes tops, like everybody right. only got a couple of songs. Yeah, and then we went back to school, even though we cut school in the yeah. first place. <laughs> we go back during last periods, this is between one thirty, and I think 2.15 was when school let out, right. now that I'm thinking about it. And uh, we go back there, and we talk to the guy who will remain nameless, who was recording, uh, coordinating rather the bands that were playing. And he said, oh, yeah, after these, whoever was playing, after they're done, you guys can go on. And it was okay. And I I'd actually borrowed a guitar from somebody. I think I borrowed a guitar from Christian, which is all covered in, like, punk band stickers, bands I never heard of or anything right. like that. And uh, there was a drum kit that was set up there for the day. Uh, there was, I believe there was a bass amp and a guitar amp. Yep. So all we had to do was show up with the guitar, my borrowed guitar, Justin's Just bass. bass. You know all the lyrics. And they, yeah, they had a mic. And uh, that was it. There's only one mic. So it was going to be you singing, me on guitar, Justin bass, Brian on drums. And we get up there, we get everything plugged in. And we kind of hadn't said anything to anybody. Now, we weren't, I wouldn't go so far as to say we were popular in high school. But at that point, we're seniors. We had met and had classes with enough people that people certainly knew who we were. And a crowd started to gather as we put our, as we were plugging our stuff in and getting ready to go. And it was kind of weird. Like suddenly there was this interest, which we weren't expecting. We were just doing it for fun. Right. We were just going to have a laugh. Like let's uh, let's do a couple of Ramon songs at the art show and right. get up there and knock it out and then be done with it. And we got up there and <laughs> we were kind of ready to start. I don't think we'd we didn't count off or anything. Something but, happened where all of a sudden. That guy just said, all right, all of you got to get out of here. No, it was one teacher piped up. I remember she stood up and said, I don't remember the kid's name, but she said, so-and-so is scheduled to be next and he will be our last performer, which was crazy because, first of all, it wasn't that close to the end of the school day. And he was doing just going to stand up there and sing one song by himself. Right. Which was weird because there was still like 15 minutes left in the day. So we could have gone on there and played. I mean, between those songs. Five-minute song. Yeah. Five minutes. Five minutes all together. Yeah, between all the songs, we've been off there in like six and a half minutes. Tops. But the fact that we'd gotten up there, we plugged everything in, which wasn't quick, but uh, she'd essentially cut us off. We were like, damn it. Man, we went home so upset, but uh, the guy who was, co- the student, by the way, the guy who was coordinating the band said, well, come back tonight. We're going to be doing this tonight. Why don't you guys come in and do a couple of songs? And uh, I was like, sure. <laughs> okay, we'll come back. And then we thought, well, well, we'll get together and we'll rehearse the songs. I think Justin was playing with another group, so he didn't meet up with us again. But he, we weren't right. worried about him at all. Right. All he had to know were uh, was the, the chord progressions, which right. for those Ramon songs were all within the same couple of right. chords anyway. Uh, so we weren't worried about him. But you and I and Brian got together in a room in uh, someone I was working for at the time who had a – because I was kind of roadieing for uh, – somebody at at the time that's a whole other story or a collection of stories but uh we got together in uh his rehearsal room which is above his garage in his house and we rehearsed the songs a bunch of times there's a tape of that floating around here too the the art show rehearsal so we go back to the art show that night and uh because we were like a last minute edition he'd given us a 
a slot near the end. It wasn't a long thing, maybe like seven to nine. Right. And not all the bands who played during the day were going to be playing that night, which was fine because most people wanted to play for the other students and all that. Not everyone wanted to play for parents and, and all that. There's going to be more of a, a turnout during the day because it was in the middle of a school day. So uh, we were going to go up once again near the end, being a last-minute addition. And I don't know who the guys were who went up before us. They were playing like instrumental versions of stuff like Crazy Train. I just remember the guitar player was really good. And you and I were looking at each other like, damn, who's this guy? Right. Because <laughs> we hadn't recognized them. I, I, was gonna, I, I didn't know who this person was. Otherwise, I probably would have gotten together with them, frankly. <laughs> like, hey, can you show me some stuff? But uh, they were in the middle of, I think it might have been Crazy Train or another instrumental kind of medley. And the guy who's, uh, who was coordinating it, who was in a band gets up there and while they're in the middle of the song goes, all right, knock that shit off. And then uh, they stop playing in the middle of the song and he goes up and says, all right, that's it, everybody. Uh, we got one more band for you, blah, blah, blah. And it was his band. Yeah. And he didn't even say anything to us. No. And we were livid. Right. We were so pissed, man. Even Justin was, was kind of pissed because Justin was like, well, that's screwed up. That's... Yeah, what the hell? I mean, he yeah. played earlier that night yeah. already, but, but he, he hung was, around. Yeah, he was kind of like, well, that's not fair at all. Like, he was kind of mad, too. And I remember Ed DeHaron getting all. Oh, he was yeah. really mad. He sat outside with a bat. We were hanging outside of his car. We ended up leaving because uh, he, he was waiting since since this guy who was coordinating the the performance of the event, his band was playing, which was even more screwed up because that band played for a half hour because we waited outside because we were all pissed. Ed was pissed and Ed seriously had a bat in his back seat and he pulled it out and he was ready for this guy to come out at the, after the show was done and get in his face. But that band ended up playing for like a half hour yeah, and they let out late, no less. Right. And it was basically, he cut this other band off and then cut us despite being a last minute addition, but still like we, we were expected to go on. We ended up just going to the diner. Yeah, so nothing did. happened, but uh, that was such a letdown because we were we were pulling for it. We we're like, this is going to be fun. It's going because we thought we're we're graduating in three weeks. Right. Let's just do this and get out. <laughs> like that. This will be fun. We'll say and we played at our high Brian school. Brian was a freshman at the time. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. a freshman. And yeah, Justin was a junior, so they still had some time. But for us, we thought, oh, this is cool. What a cool note to go out on. Pardon the pun. Like we're gonna play a couple of songs and then good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> See you later, class of 2000. See you later. <laughs> oh, ugh. that was a bummer, though. That I was still a, hold hold a hold a grudge against that against that, that person. Yeah, I was pissed. Off. I saw that person a couple of years later. He was who was working at a CD store, short lived CD store that was actually in Lakewood, funnily enough. And um, even then, like he came up and tried to talk to me, like, "How you doing, man?" I was like, he'd been like a hippie at that point, which is funny because his band was very limp biscuity. Because I was popular, oh, yeah. he, he was, was rapping. Yeah, he was he was a total trend rider. Two years before, he'd been in like a Nirvana ripoff band. Yeah, and then as soon as Limp Bizkit hit, he started doing that. And then he was he basically looked like a kind of like a hippie. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he was I working at uh, Free Old Music for a little bit. Oh yeah, because I remember I talking to him. That. He's like, "Yeah, I gotta look at my new band. It's like a, it's like a jazz mixed in with metal, yeah. mixed in with like Mexican music." I was like, well, "What are you talking about? You can't mix those genres. <laughs> you can, but how does that sound good?" <laughs> I remember that's how I ran into him. He's like, "Yeah, I'm playing this jazz metal band." I'm like, "What does that mean? What's jazz metal? <laughs> He's making stuff up." Oh man, because we did for a, a town like uh, Lakewood, where there weren't a lot of people. We did know a few people who were in bands for one reason or another, which I can't even remember at this point. Could never get it together. But 
Yeah, we we still uh, carried on after I came home. For, fast forward a few months, and I was out. But of I think that's what York. drove us to do those two thousand one rehearsals. Yeah, where we kind of yeah, had we, the, we had a we had a score to settle. The dirt, <laughs> yeah, the dirty men rehearsals. Yeah, that was. Um, I think you said it. There should be a band. I think we we're still sitting in uh, Latin class one day. You said it'd be funny if there was a band called Dirty Men, and we just laughed at it. And I thought it was a funny name. So when we started rehearsing. And that's what's written on the spine of a rehearsal CD that I saw before. Uh, we started booking in rehearsals as Dirty Men. And everybody <laughs> thought that was a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess it is, but it's funny. And what what's the alternative, especially if you're playing kind of rock and yeah. punkish stuff? Yeah, Ramones-ish stuff. Yeah, other than just being the, I mean, you know, the nouns. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to... S- Come up with a name that would sound similar, like the queers, you know, mm-hmm. something. Oh, Dirty Men. That's like, you know. Yeah, that doesn't seem out similar. of place yeah. compared to some other band names. Yeah, it seemed totally, totally logical. It fit in as far as we were concerned, but uh, there seemed to be some backlash to the name. Not that we ever booked gigs or anything. We rehearsed on and off for like a year, yeah. but unfortunately, not ever came. We had tons of rehearsal CDs, though, and, and cassettes. They're hours. 2001 and 2002. Yeah, we did. I think we finally called it in 2002. You and uh, our drummer, Tim, both left me voicemails on the same day saying you were quitting, and I was like, oh, I was heartbroken. Yeah. But at that point, we've been trying for a year, and it didn't pan out. But still, you and I have tried to get bands up and running a few times, <laughs> and it hasn't happened, and uh, still threatening to do an acoustic gig somewhere. But even that is but, tough, because there aren't really any coffee shops around here anymore. Or if they do, they don't do open mic. But those rehearsals in 2010 were, were pretty fun. I think we were more structured. Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. And once again, drummer was tough to nail down, which was crazy because... And we finally nailed him down, and then he quit. Yeah. And that's what really broke everything apart. It was we, like, well, we, we couldn't can't find, find another drummer. It's, yeah. It's always been... T- that's always been the bane of my existence. It's been... Like, there's some bass players who uh, may not have been that good, necessarily. But uh, drummers... I always went through drummers like crazy. Ever since I was 16, I put my first band together up until that last one in 2010... And that was at the point where I said, you know what? I can't be bothered but anymore. But we had some solid songs. We actually worked on those songs. We, had we did. We solid songs. We had a bunch of uh, cover songs and quite a few originals, and too. Just no drummer. <laughs> yeah. But I think if we if we had a permanent drummer, I think we would have done something with that. Probably. We still can. Their songs still exist. We could right. seriously go in and, and rehearse something and release something. Right. If we wanted to. And we probably should, just for the sake of getting it out of our system. Because those songs are still there. <laughs> yeah. But we did. We um, It was you and I on guitar. Because you were on bass, actually, in the rehearsals in 2001, 2002. Because we eventually, as logic would dictate, started a band with uh, Christian, who was the other guitar player, who was better than either one of us in guitar. Mm-hmm. And I think at that point, I was regarded as the better guitar player. So you were kind of relegated to bass. But you were also really good at bass. I've never been I good at bass. I love playing bass. Yeah. You I did. You, you were. You were really good. And I yeah. wasn't that good. I just played bass like a guitar, guitar player, <laughs> so it kind of made sense. And you were you were very good too, so it it ended up working. But uh, the uh, band we were in with uh, Andrew in 2010 is actually the band who recorded the theme song for the only podcast that matters and the big rock ending that's at the end of every episode of that show. So Dan has kind of been part of the only podcast that matters since the beginning, <laughs> in a certain way. Well, yeah, I was there when it first started, but never took part of it. Well, yeah, you were offered the first. Yeah. We, you came, we came to you first when we wanted to do the podcast. And I've told the story before on this show. Right. But uh, 
when we talked about it, it was going to be you and I and Andrew and Ryan, and we were going to do a weekly music show. Yeah, because we had that little mini recorder that you would record conversations. Yes. And that was that kind of spread up the idea, but um, I guess I didn't want to be a part of the next step. So Well, like, you didn't. Yeah. You kind of looked but, at it as, like, who's going to listen to this? Right. Like, you just didn't know, like, that, that there would be an audience for it. But, I mean, nobody does until they put something out there. I mean, there are 19 new sitcoms debut every fall. No one knows if anyone's going to watch them. Exactly. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing where, well, we need to do something and put it out there. And you just kind of couldn't see beyond who's going to listen to it. And I think the other part of it, in my estimation, was like, well, who would listen to us talk about music? A, who's going to listen to this show? B, who's going to want to listen to us talk about this stuff? Of course, fast forward a few months later, which is why I say all the time that I, half jokingly that uh, Jack owes me his podcasting career because I suggested him <laughs> as the fourth person. <laughs> and uh, about a year later, and you finally popped up on the show. And at that point, we had an audience and we were getting a good response from everything. And then uh, spontaneously, you, you showed up on a show and made a splash. And now you've been a part of the podcast ever since. Very regularly, I have to say. Right, you pop up on the show, which is great because it's always fun. I mean, it's considering all the conversations you and I have had, which was the only um, kind of one thing that you and I haven't done, which I, I always thought we would do, which was that we were eventually going to get an apartment together, which never happened for one reason reason or we were another. Talking about it for a while, but I guess it never happened. No, it never happened. But it was also a matter of neither of us was working in the same area, so right. it was well, where would we move? And then it was. Can we afford it? And then just the way things kind of progressed. And then, of course, with you. And it's probably not going to happen now with you being married and all. (laughs) It's unlikely because your wife might have something to say about that. That was probably the only thing that we said, like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then it it hadn't happened. Just the way things things laid out, which is why it's so weird to think, wow, man, 14 years. It's, It's insane. Right. It's crazy to think about that. And no one ever believes anybody. When they say, oh, time goes by fast. And I mean, me being the oldest of uh, the immediate, at least New Jersey social circle and all the guys involved and and gals involved in uh, the only podcast, I've said time goes faster. Every year it goes by faster. After I turned 30, it went by even faster and it continues to go faster. Those guys are still in their 20s, right? Well, Andrew and Ryan just turned 30 at the end of last year. Ryan's birthday was last month uh, in December and Andrew's is uh, 10 days after mine in October. Right. Well, two years and 10 days after right. mine. So they just turned 30. But still, it's... it's. I mean, I even said to Jack back uh, when I was... It was over the summer because uh, it was right around the time we started because our first episode ever of The Only Podcast Matters we recorded June 30th, 2010. And uh, that was when I was 28. I turned 29 in uh, the, the weekend we actually launched the website uh, that following October. But I said to Jack after he turned 28 uh, this past summer in July, I said, wow, you are now the age I was when we started doing this podcast. <laughs> That's how fast time goes, Jack. And he was like, whoa. Yeah, and I kind of envy somebody who's 27, 28. I wish I was 27, 28. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish I was 27, 28 when we were 27, 28. I don't know. I mean, there's such a huge disparity in between when we were the way we grew up and the way we went to high school. I mean, like, when did you first get an internet connection? Like, I was I was 17. 98. Oh, really? Okay, so you had one a year before I did. Yeah. So, yeah, that was... That was the year after the internet launch in 97. <laughs> well, yeah, after AOL and all that kind of made it, where it was like maybe you had a computer in your house that had the internet, but not everyone did. 
Yeah. And there was AOL, which was 10 bucks a month, and it was only through your phone. And that's where you had 20. to play video games from Nintendo Power. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no internet to, to look up what you would need to do. You would just spend hours in the video game trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. Right. Or you'd have to subscribe to Nintendo yep. Power, or you'd have to buy the strategy guide. Or just figure stuff out by word of mouth at school, but mm-hmm. that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of glad we were on the edge of that, and not in a good way or a bad way, but we were kind of, we'd gone through our whole adolescence without dependence on the internet, the internet. or cell phones or anything like that, or iPods. Yep. Like, we, we grew up kind of without that stuff, so I think to a degree we have... I think we have more of an appreciation for it and at the same time became very adept at it because we were still, not that anyone can't, but like my parents will never be as good with a computer or a cell phone as I am uh, or the or Googling something. But I think uh, being on the other on the other side of it where it's it's like, well, still in our young adulthood, yeah. we had these, we these were, items. Our, we were kind of in the middle of it. I mean, we weren't. We're, we're part of Generation X, but we're also part of Generation Y. So we're kind of in between Generation X and Y. Yeah, which is weird. They're kind of in that in that no man's land. Yeah, that. and yeah. I've I've seen that actually because since I was born October of eighty one, you were born February of eighty two. That's kind of where, depending, I don't know if there is an official uh, structure as far as dates go, right. but that's kind of in the middle of where some people say Generation X ends. Around the end of eighty, uh, end of eighty one would be the mm-hmm. last part of Generation X, and then Y begins the beginning of eighty two. Right, um, and some will say they overlap between like eighty one, nineteen eighty one, nineteen eighty two. Right. So yeah, we kind of are in the middle of that, right? Except on the tail end of one and kind of in the front of another, which is a little weird. But we at least have that perspective of okay, we grew up without Netflix and iPods and right. smartphones. Yeah, uh, part which, of you know Generation. X's view. Oh, we we grew up without that. Yeah, we also grew up without that as mm-hmm. well. But it later came. Yeah, we became very very know. handy with it, and just yeah. as dependent on it as anybody else. Right. So we're we're kind of in between. You know, it's it's crazy. Oh, it totally is crazy. Which is why you and I still have that affection where we need to go out and hunt for CDs because we're not content to just because buy stuff you know on uh, Generation Y didn't sit in sixth grade with a a floppy disk <laughs> on an Apple Macintosh. You know, <laughs> like that's what I that's what I grew up with. It was a floppy disk and some cheap Apple Macintosh. Yeah, playing Carmen Sandiego on it. <laughs> On a black and white monitor. People part of the Generation Y never had to do that. I mean, so that's why I consider myself Generation X and then part of Generation Y. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, now even in sixth grade, geez, there's some schools. Maybe it could be elsewhere. I think in California is because I end up hearing that stuff because it's local news. But uh, where in some schools, they're kind of depending on tablets now. Digital tablets, obviously, right. not stone ones, uh, because it's more cost effective for them to buy tablets in bulk than it is for them to buy books in bulk. So they can just put, yeah, they, they just put ridiculous. the study materials, yeah, on this electronic remember, device. Remember how many books you had in your book bag? Oh, forget it. You break your shoulder <laughs> I sling that thing. Ah, uh, oh, I forgot my book in my locker. Oh, well, I'm screwed. I'm yeah. taking a zero today. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because your teacher would not let you go and get it. Even if it was just around, right around the corner. Yeah. Go get no your book. Chance. No. Or if you left your book at home. Yeah. Even before we had lockers up till sixth grade, before we had lockers. Exactly. Forget it. You'd be stuck. Or you could leave them in your desk. Right. <laughs> but having a, I mean, I think that's more dangerous. I'd rather have, be stuck with a $40 book than a $600 tablet. Like, which one would you rather have to be responsible for? Exactly. 
I mean, even even going taking the the bus to school all throughout. So it must have been throughout high school and middle school. What's the protection of the tablets? Oh, I have no idea. Because we used to make a, book covers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they could put some kind of case on them. And those were fun making book covers. <laughs> Just take a piece of like you know grocery bag. Yeah, you know, a they, brown paper bag. Yeah. You could draw stuff on the cover. It was fun. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I used to. I, I wore a uh, Walkman. All the way from oh, like a grade. CD Walkman and a tape Walkman, cassette, yeah, cassette. Yeah. I don't even think I had a CD one that I brought one to of, school. Yeah, one of the teachers took my cassette Walkman when I was. I had a cassette sophomore. Walkman. Oh man, I had a cassette Walkman stolen out of my uh, backpack in in oh. in gym. Oh no! Someone went in the locker room and went through a bunch of them, and uh, the worst part was it had a get on this long before you kids had your torrent sites i took <laughs> tapes and cds out of the public library and i had a public library cassette in there when oh. it was stolen so not only was i out the 20 dollar walkman but i had to go buy like a 12 dollar cassette too to replace with the library those were when uh cassettes are pretty expensive yeah yeah now so now new cds aren't even that expensive no <laughs> i remember before we moved to this house when my sister and i were going through small papers and stuff in the basement finding old ads from like 1988 for like Caldor and looking at <laughs> CDs like cassette 788 CD 1088 you know for like Slippery When Wet by Bon Jovi or something looking at these CDs like oh man do you remember this and now like CDs I ain't going to Best Buy and there's a huge $5 CD section yeah <laughs> for some of those same CDs that were 10 bucks 20 odd years ago yeah I don't know I'm, I have to say I'm glad we grew up the way we did though yeah. As, even though we're not old by any stretch. I thought it was perfect. Yeah, I, it, it was. I wouldn't ask for anything else. Yeah, and to have those, to be on both sides of that. Like, right. we, still, we still became adults in the internet age and have had smartphones for, at this point, a couple of years. Right. It's been almost, it's been between four and five years since I got my first smartphone. Yeah. And iPods and all that. I'm I mean, pretty savvy with them. So yeah. We're not really, you know, behind the times. No, no, we're not really... We're not really intimidated by necessarily any of that stuff. No, but uh, we might good. be twenty years from twenty years from now <laughs> when my kid is using some fancy sh- sh- machine. <laughs> yeah, that's implanted in their eye that just projects whatever mm-hmm. it is in front of them. I'm like, I'm confused. I'll just pull out my <laughs> Super Nintendo. <laughs> this is what we played back in the day, son. This is 16-bit, son. <laughs> Do you know what that means? No. Well, you're missing out. This was cutting edge in '93. <laughs> 1893 no smart ass <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you though i agree there's gonna be a point where we're gonna fall behind it that's the weird that's thing that's true it happens to every generation yep i mean my parents learned how to program the vcr around the time dvd players came in so right. there's always gonna be a point where we're, we're gonna, gonna be fall behind, behind. Like, yeah where it's like wait a minute this is that there's gonna be it's gonna be weird for people to even think like wait a minute you had to Set up this mixer and these mics and all that to record your podcast? That's crazy. <laughs> now we just do this. Right. <laughs> and that's even going to be different. This is going to be like an archaic way of recording radio in the future. But, uh, hey, you know, without all this stuff, there wouldn't be a podcast. There wouldn't be this. You and I would be sitting and chatting about this stuff anyway, but it wouldn't be out there in the in the uh, podcast wasteland for people to listen yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. But they can, but... Uh, Hey man, I'm I'm glad we've we've at least been around around each other through all this stuff. It's yeah. been an insane and crazy and wild 14 years, but yep. we're still here. We still talk almost every day. Yep. And see each other as often as possible, as often as two people live in opposite ends of the country can. Yep. But uh still good, man. Good times. Good Indeed. memories. Well, thanks for sitting down 
I'm glad we got to do this finally. No I problem. Sit and just have another quiet, <laughs> laid back conversation by comparison. If you folks listen to, uh, first of all, go get the only podcast that matters on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, Beyond Pod, Blackberry Podcast, whatever it is you like. And uh, Dan was on the uh, recent Xmas cast episode from a few weeks ago, which was funny. And he and I are a lot more exuberant in that, <laughs> particularly him. <laughs> and uh, also check out the uh, 2013 recap from January 3rd. 2014 god it's the first time i'm saying that something that was released in 2014 <laughs> where we look back uh myself andrew ryan and jack look back at uh, 2013 and all its glory and gruesomeness and uh of course this show chris abal's podcast experiment subscribe on itunes coming soon to those other apps i mentioned before i will keep you posted on that and uh like the show on facebook Look for Chris Abbas Podcast Experiment. Follow the show on Twitter at Cape Pod. And uh, that's it, folks. Thanks for listening. Until next time, for Dan Hempel, this is Chris Abalo, and this is yet another experiment. <laughs>